Welcome to the Collective Experiences Society, a podcast celebrating the universal and interconnected human experience. And now, your co-hosts. Welcome to another episode of the Collective Experiences Society. I'm your co-host, Praneet. And I'm your other co-host, Nicole. How are you today, Nicole? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm fantastic. We have a great episode for everyone today. I'm pumped about this episode. Totally. This is an awesome conversation on a topic that kind of blends the financial world and uh, blends Aaron Sorkin's um, reality that he's created with the TV show, The Newsroom. I love me a good film moment. Oh, totally. So we're going to be talking today about The Greater Fool, which is normally a financial term and it's been adapted. So let me read you the definition that Aaron Sorkin came up with for the newsroom. The greater fool is an actually an economic term. It's a patsy. For the rest of us to profit, we need a greater fool, someone who will buy long and sell short. Most people spend their life trying not to be the greater fool. We toss him to the hot potato. We dive for his seat when the music stops. The greater fool is someone with a perfect blend of self-delusion and ego to think that he can succeed where others have failed. This country was made by greater fools. Wow. That is such a powerful statement. That's exactly what I was thinking. Get out of my brain. <laughs> Get out of there. Honestly, uh, this country would not be, and you know, in my hometown or my home country of Canada would not be if it wasn't for greater fools who saw a greater vision for, uh, for Canada and uh, the founding fathers of the United States for uh, the United States. No, most definitely. And I think that... For me personally, as someone who's never seen the TV show that that quote comes from, or obviously I'm not part of the economic world, I barely know how to do taxes. So for me, like hearing that, like it just feels so right. It's such a universal thing and it's really interesting to learn about and I'm ready to dive in. Oh, totally. So, so am I. So I'll give everyone a, a background as to uh, why this quote uh, came about in one of the episodes for the newsroom. Uh, Will McAvoy, which was one of the characters, one of the lead characters, uh, was uh, asked why America is the greatest country in the world. And he essentially uh, gave a very rough answer and lost it on the actress and basically said America is not the greatest country in the world. I but- mean... <laughs> he's not wrong but don't worry about that part he, but but uh, towards towards the end of the episode he meets the uh, the girl again and she ends up being the greater fool because she's pursuing uh something that others will not do and she's going somewhere where others f- have not succeeded I think that's extremely motivating. It is. It's very motivating. And our world really is run by greater, fool, greater fools. They, they are the ones that are responsible for the innovations that we've had. Um, they push us to be better. Um, and they share in some of the fears that we have, such as the fear of failure and having imposter syndrome, like what we've talked about on this uh, episode, uh, previ- on this show previously. Yeah, and I also think that they're like the pushers of the world. I think that they push us to be our best selves. They do. And the greater the greater fools either see in us something that we don't see in ourselves or they are the people that 
have determined a path for their life to make a difference in this world and will not stop until they've accomplished that. Yeah, and I think that when I think about greater fools, I think about some people that I think like wouldn't traditionally pop in your mind immediately. Like you automatically think of like people who've like, you know, done technological things or they are like political leaders. I'm thinking of like the pushers of the world. I think about how teachers are greater fools and the way that they care so much about inspiring the youth and teaching the youth. That way the world can become a better place later in life or like the coaches of the world. Like to me, like those are greater fools. Oh, big time. And those are the people that really shape this planet the younger generation is molded by teachers on a daily basis and by coaches on a daily basis and they show us the ways really in our our early lives on how to behave as we grow older and how to pursue our dreams and to they show us really that you know anything is really possible when you put your mind to it and it takes a certain level of bravado a little bit of ego to go out and say i want to be a teacher and i'm going to disregard the money that i could potentially make and the, you know uh, or the fame that could potentially come with another lucrative career but i'm going to go into a classroom where many have failed at teaching and go out and teach and it takes a special person to do that the amount of patience you have to have to be a teacher or a coach like Wow, like I'm literally speechless just thinking about it because I personally do not hold as much patience as someone who I think of as like a teacher type. But when I think of like the people who are the greater fools, I think of people who are role models in society. Big time. Um, I think we have a, a, a mutual uh, acquaintance. I, I'd like to call him a friend, not an acquaintance. He is a friend. He's our buddy. Our bestie. He's our old professor. <laughs> uh, John Young, who is also a, a morning show host uh, here in Vacaville, um, is, is, in my opinion, the complete definition of a greater fool. Yeah, and I think that John, for example, is someone who really pushed us to be our best selves and push us to do projects that we wouldn't have even like imagined doing and really gave us the knowledge to make the world a better place. Oh, totally. This podcast wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for his class and for him showing how the broadcasting world works and how cool it is and how you can make a difference by doing it. But not only that, he's also inspired me to want to be a teacher at some point, want to teach at a college level and to be able to influence the younger generations as they're trying to just figure out what to do. Yeah, shout out Bestie John. <laughs> woo woo. Woo woo. Um, and, and for that, you know, that, that makes him a greater fool. It makes us greater fools for pursuing dreams that many have but few pursue. That is so true. And I think that greater fools are simply people who push other people to be greater fools i think it becomes like a cycle almost it does absolutely becomes a cycle and you know the teachers and the coaches definitely start at the top of that list and then obviously like you mentioned mentioned the technologists there is a ton of innovators that are awesome um, and have come up with next generation technologies that are or, or that are making our world a, a better place. Uh, you know, I think of Elon Musk for making electric cars as populous, popular as they are now or for putting satellites into the Earth's orbit to beam Internet down to like, yeah, that's crazy. 
or, and for you know dreaming that he can just build a rocket ship that's going to go up like insane completely insane and then you have mark zuckerberg who really invented how our how our generations communicate with one another yeah i mean when i was growing up i was like right before facebook yeah. like I think Facebook came out, I don't know what year Facebook came out. Does anyone know what year Facebook was? I think it was like early 2000 or mid 2000, something I like that. I want to say it's like 2008. Let's find That's, out. Yeah. 2004? Okay, so. Okay, it, well, no one was on it in 2004. <laughs> it was founded in 2004. Yeah. I think I joined it in like 2009. Okay. That sounds right to me. Um, oh, it's 17 years old. It's almost legal. That's cute. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, but when I was growing up, I was like, my family's a very big um, computer family. My dad majored in computer science, so he's mm -hmm. he's nerdy. Hi, dad. Um, shout out to you. But the way that I communicated with my friends pre-social media was I had a blog. And my blog had like a little chat thing. Because, again, my dad was super nerdy and super cool. And that's how we all communicated. It was either that or like through Gmail, right? And then Facebook came along. And I never like went back to that format. I actually emailed my friends last night. Anyone who I had in my contacts, I emailed them last oh, night awesome. and I just said, I sent it like a love letter. I was like, dearest Jenny, I miss you so much. I'm so glad you're in my life. Yours truly, Nicole. Anyway, <laughs> so random. Sorry for getting on topic. But uh, Facebook really came and changed the game. It did. It, it completely just pushed us to a new level of social interaction that you wouldn't even thought of prior to. Oh, totally. And really, it makes you uh, look at the six degrees of separation and how far you are from one another. Mm -hmm. And and when you look at it, you're not. You are so interconnected and that human experience is all part of that, which is what we're all about. But really, Mark was a greater fool for seeing that potential. Okay, not to get off topic, but how many degrees do we think we are from knowing Taylor Swift? Oh, that's a good one. Because here's where, here's where I'm going with this. Okay. Does Taylor noticing someone on social media or meeting like a fan count? In the traditional sense, sure. Because you're six degrees of separation. So, so technically I'm only one person away from Taylor. But, but I'm not. Because it's but, like yeah. my friends are going to message. Well, they do message Taylor. That's how it, they get noticed. But like my friends are going to be like, calling her on the phone being like, hey girly, um, Nicole wants to hang out. Like that's not happening, right? I think we should figure that out. I think th this is an episode in the making. We have to do an episode on the six degrees of separation. And, our, and our task is to figure out how we- How are we getting Taylor on the podcast? Yes, how are we getting Taylor on the podcast? <laughs> We're working on it, guys. We are, we it's are. It's only our fourth day out here. <laughs> but yes, that, that, that's definitely gotta look into that. You know, we were talking in the YouTube video today. I don't know when it's coming out in regards to this, but we were talking earlier today and we were talking about what our biggest goal is for like the brand itself. And I like said something cute, like, oh, we're building a community where people can like support each other and be vulnerable with each other, blah, 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 blah. I lied. The goal is to meet Taylor Swift and we will do it. Let's do it. I'm speaking high into- five existence i hope they could hear the high five should i fake clap oh you guys ready to hear my loud clap do it that is a loud clap my ears are ringing that's fun anyway back to the topic ambitious people who are greater fools i think of politicians Ooh. i think of aoc thoughts she is an 
epic greater fool. Ultimate girl boss. Uh, she is redefining what it means to be a politician and what it means to be a cool politician. She is someone who is extremely human. I think that when it comes to politicians, it's really easy. My hands are ringing. Um, <laughs> it's really easy to almost become like separated from society mm -hmm. and almost feel robot-like. Obviously I'm not a politician. I have no idea what they feel like, but it looks like from like an outside perspective as a person who, you know, their life depends on how politicians act. They start feeling very numbing and like robot-y and they're like, they just don't understand it's like the, the common thing, struggle. Everything, uh, same thing every single day for them. Yeah. I'm sure that gets exhausting and so boring. Very much so. But you're right. She's found, she's made it uh, a human thing to be a politician. I, I'm reminded of the video where she was uh, drinking a glass of wine and assembling Ikea furniture. While answering questions on Instagram live. I mean, who is a part of her marketing team and how can I give them a smooch on the forehead? That's genius. That is absolutely awesome. She found a new way to connect with the people. She had a off the cuff like conversation about whatever and she was doing polls about what tool to use while, while building this or to even continue building it because she was missing something. Yeah, I think that the way that she markets her personal brand really encourages young people to be more involved. And I think that it's going to be a game changer long-term. And you've seen like effects of it because I think a lot of like left-leaning politicians have started acting that way. And maybe AOC wasn't like exactly the first person to do it, but I think AOC is the most successful person to do it. Cause I think of like, I don't know if you remember when Hillary Clinton was on Vine. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, or like when she tweeted during her campaign in 2016, but like, we were all like, oh, that's cute. But we weren't like, oh, she's changing the game. She's such a girl. So we we're like, oh, that's kind of embarrassing. She's from our girl. generation. That's the big thing, right? I she's, think that's what it is. And that she didn't come from like extreme wealth. Like she had a normal job she's beforehand. Normal. She's, she's like a normal person. She is a normal person. She is a normal person. I mean, person. she's a politician, but she's like, you know. Yeah, but she comes from a, from a background that wasn't... Uh, privileged doesn't have millions of dollars in the bank account uh to fight uh campaigns and she doesn't she didn't have you know a lot of money to even get dressed for for the job once she got it yeah and you know she talks about the struggles of incoming politicians and really after her you saw some people on both sides of the aisle uh, come in that were from underserved um, backgrounds. Yeah, a lot of unconventional people mm -hmm. have started putting their foot in the door. And I love that because I think that having people like AOC, people who are minorities, people who don't come from like the traditional wealthy white background that's straight and I don't want to say like extremely privileged, but extremely privileged. Yeah. When people who aren't that come into play, that's a true reflection of American values, no matter what side it's on. Oh, totally. And, you know, the as time goes on, we need younger people. We need more AOCs uh, on both sides of the aisle to come in and really shape the the way that this country is going to function uh, for the for the decades to come, you know, for uh, when we're older or when we have children, like how the country is at that point is going to be dependent on the politicians that come in now. 
No, I agree. But you said when we have children, sir, I'm never having a child. <laughs> Putting that into the universe. <laughs> children are evil. Uh, Working you, at a daycare is free birth control. And Nicole's future partner is going to be listening to this and wondering if that's true. Oh, I hope my future partner listens to the podcast. That's cute. <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> what are we having for dinner? Don't tell me. It'll be a surprise. But when you hear this and you know that you want to marry me, whoever you are, because I'm assuming I'm going to fall in love with a listener. It's going to be like a fan fiction. Okay. <laughs> um, when you hear this, let me know what we're having for dinner. You can DM me. You can text me if you have my phone number. <laughs> or you can email us at hello at the CES podcast. I even have a personal CES podcast email. It's Nicole at the CES podcast. I'll check my spam just for you. This is turning into a personal ad. I mean, honestly, <laughs> kind of down. Have, okay, this is again off topic. Have you ever gone through Craigslist misconnections? They are um, whack. I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> I think that whenever I feel bad about myself or like I feel down bad. Do you know what that means? I, I sort of get it. Yeah. When someone's like down bad, it's like usually someone who like gets like hardcore rejected and okay, still okay, like yeah. simps. Do you know what yeah. simp means? No. Okay. Um, I'm showing my age here, guys. Yeah. Hmm. Simp is like some <laughs> exposing parnits. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> um, no, simping is like when you're like really soft for a person and you like show it. Okay, it's, okay. it's a very, um, it's like a little under my age range. Okay, says okay. it a lot. It's a silly term. But whenever I feel like, oh, like I'm so lonely. My life is bad. I'll go on there. Those people are lonely. But some people, it's like either like you get like a, like a sex message where they're like, I want to have sex now. Or sometimes you get romantic poetry about strangers. And that's beautiful to me. And I could do a whole episode on that by myself. I literally think Craigslist is the best. I actually know a couple that is married now and has kids that met on a bus. No way. No joke. They met on a bus. That's so cute. Very cute. And they would ride the same bus together. And then I don't know the story on how it actually ended up. Being but they ended up connecting and they, getting married. Yeah, so not misconnections, but but like sort of like a misconnection, I guess. It's like an invisible string. Yeah, oh, oh totally. One of Taylor's best best songs. <laughs> it's also just a Taylor Swift fan account that gets recorded every week. Oh, totally, totally. Um, again, not to take us off the topic, but my parents kind of had like a quirky story like that too. My dad was working at a Wiener Central. Have you been there yet? No, I haven't. You actually live really close to one. Really? Yeah. Where? Wiener Central. It's like um, on Sunset. Okay. It's like, yeah, it's on Sunset. It's like okay. by the Dutch on Sunset. Okay. Or Sunrise. Sorry. Should sunrise. I, is it you live next to Sunrise. It? I want it. <laughs> but for the podcast's sake, yes, you should definitely try it. <laughs> but my dad was working at Wiener Central and... My mom and her BFF like went there to eat and my dad, I believe, I might totally butcher the story because it's not my own story because I wasn't born yet, but my dad hit on my mom's friend and my, she was like, no. And then my dad was like, Donna. And then they kept <laughs> running into each other like everywhere. Oh, that's crazy. Like, cause my dad worked like three jobs at the time and like, he's crazy. So now you see where I get it from. My like weird girl boss mentality comes from my <laughs> Virgo dad. 
this is an episode of me calling out my dad. Hey dad. But, um, and eventually like my dad was like, you need to go out with me. Like this is fate. Like I keep seeing you. This is fate. And my mom was like, mm, okay. <laughs> and so then in many ways, he was a greater fool. for. He was it. a greater fool for pushing and trying that. And he got my mom's phone number like on a napkin that she wrote down with like eyeliner. And then my mom was like, we're not going out on Valentine's day. Like that's cheesy. I'm going to be burning Valentine's cause she's very feminist and we can hang out a different day. And then they end up seeing each other on Valentine's day. And now my middle name's Valentine. They're married and they had me. And oh, I that's think that's awesome. very sweet. That's awesome. And that goes to show you, just that little story just goes to show you that the greater fool doesn't have to apply generally to making the entire world different. It can be you making your own world different. Yes, your personal world. Ooh, I really exactly. vibe with that. And your dad was the greater fool for pursuing that. Classic Richard. <laughs> He's got greater fool energy. Totally. And then uh, just switching it up completely, just going back to these uh, to who these greater fools are, I'm looking at inspirational figures as well. Barack Obama for charting a, a path through the White House that's really opened up a lot of doors, including for the current vice president. Um, yep. And also we look at uh, Nelson Mandela or Gandhi or Rosa Parks, who really was responsible for ending segregation in this country. So much social change, yeah. And those people pushed for change regardless of what society said. Yeah, they are the people that look at society and they are almost like optimistic. They're like, the world can be a better place. I know it can be a better place. Here's how I think we should push that. And then they just go and do it. Exactly. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a, and guts to do something that someone else is not willing to do. Rosa Parks going into the bus and sitting down there, that took guts. Rosa Parks was a girl boss. Exactly. The ultimate girl boss. She was the girl boss. She is responsible for how wonderful this country is. And I know we're divided right now, but we are one at the end of the day. And as, as much as people may not believe it or see it right now, this country is more united than it is divided. I don't know how I feel about that comment. Why not? Hmm. I don't think the country is going to be fully united until the systems of white supremacy have been dismantled. And so I think that in order to get to that united front, we need to have a lot of like hard conversations and we've started having them in like the media in general. Cause I feel like that's where it needs to mostly be. Exactly. Obviously it needs to happen in like politics more than anywhere. Not just like the media, but the media is what gets politicians attention. Cause if no one's calling that the systems that are oppressing people out, it's going to be hard for us to be a united front, but I definitely think we're making baby steps. We definitely are. Um, I, I do still think that we're more united than divided. Uh, Interesting. Um, just because of the general acceptance that does still exist. We don't have segregation going on. Uh, sure. But we, we still have a lot of racism. We have hate. a ton of racism and it's better than it ever has been. You know, granted, there was four years recently that it was pretty interesting. But I think that when you think about those four years, 
this is our political section of the podcast. I think when you think about those four years and how separated it felt at the time, I think that that energy is still around even if we like put someone else in power because think about like um in january when everyone stormed the capitol Mm -hmm. i feel like that really showed a lot of true colors it did and i think that that really like humbled america as a whole to remind them just because like oh we have a liberal in office, so now racism and hate and homophobia and all that stuff is gone. It's when, not. like, it's not. It's not. I mean, we have a very um, liberal president. Uh, we have a very accepting president. Yeah, I'm like, he's a moderate liberal, but yeah. Uh, he's a different than what we've had in a really long time. Oh, for sure. Um, but I think to fully heal the country... Um, we need another greater fool. We need another Rosa Parks to come in there and kind of lead the change towards everyone being able to accept who everyone really is. Yeah, hardcore pushers. Hardcore pushers. Uh, and there was a lot of division that, that you know, and it just doesn't have to be the last four years. There's There's been a lot of di- division, I would say, in the last um, 15 years, roughly, um, since um, Barack Obama's presidency, where... Did that start 15 years ago? Uh, that was, what was it? Well, not 15 years. That was like years. five, 15 years ago. Well, four years for Trump and then eight years. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, his campaign probably started in like 2007. Yeah. Right? Cause yeah. Because when was the election? 2009? 2008? I was in fourth grade. 2009? Something like that. Mm. We'll edit that. Figure it out. <laughs> it happens sometimes. <laughs> it happens sometimes. But really, uh, you know, the division really started during that phase because his presidency was so different or his candidacy was so different and you very controversial very controversial just for existing yeah and silly that's where really the um the issues started popping up again things that were buried a long time for a long time yeah yeah, um are, are are coming up and now we have this this culture in parts of the country where they are not very accepting of anyone that's different than them Right. And yeah, we need something or someone to kind of champion that um, difference. Yeah, we need a greater fool. We need a greater fool. And the AOCs of the world really uh, are pushing that. Um, and and not, it's not to say that I agree with every single policy no, that uh, she has. No, absolutely not. Um, but I think it's people like that that are going to uh, make the difference uh, down the road. Yeah. Anyway, changing the topic completely. (laughs) What differences do you want to make in the world? Do you have any greater full stories that are stand out to you personally? Because this is your topic. Like, this is your baby. Yeah. I want to hear about it. So I have a silly story that um, isn't earth shattering, doesn't change the world, but it was something that very few people wanted to do. And I, I did. Um, and then I'll talk about what change I want to sort of, sort of see in the world. Um, back in the day, I used to volunteer with, uh, we'll call it the community hockey club. Okay. It was a collection of people that were hockey fans. And we were not allowed by the, um, by the board of this community organization 
to form a sports team. Intriguing. But I knew that there was a sports team that existed in the community back in the 70s. And I reached out to uh, the old, some of the old players who uh, had uh, family members that were part of uh, the Vancouver Canucks coaching staff, got some advice from them and kind of uh, pushed on ahead with this idea. Okay. That this t- hockey team should exist. So we started uh, organizing and playing games as friends and uh, bought jerseys that were like pure black just because it was like the cheapest uniform to buy, yeah. like a black like practice bib yeah. for, for hockey. And we started uh, playing games and started <laughs> using the name of this community organization and saying that we're the official hockey team for them. You're giving me anxiety. <laughs> It gets good. Um, So I was being the greater fool. I went where, you know, a lot of people had tried. And when we had approached uh, the organization on an official capacity, hey, can we, can this a team exist? Mm -hmm. Uh, We were given a hard no and that it would cost uh, somewhere to the tune of seven figures to make it happen just for the insurance reasons. And they were trying to uh, get into a different sports league as a, as an organization. Okay. So we were turned down, but I was like, hey, th- you know what? Let's just keep pushing. Like, let's just do this. Um, <laughs> and this this is where the ego kicked in. And I was like, you can't tell me no. So I formulated an, the, basically a roster and started finding uh, players to play on this team. There was no league. So then I started talking to other community organizations and to form teams of their own. And, you know, I'll, off the record, I can tell you, like, I, I would be happy to, you know, share more, but, like, I, I don't want to name names, I just because... It reminds you know. me of the energy you gave during the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly that. So, what ended up happening is we ended up forming a team. We ended up having a roster of players that uh, were very diverse. Some had uh, junior hockey experience. Some had played uh, the highest level you could really play without going going pro and uh we had convinced other community organizations to form what would be a league that would be comparative to a collegiate ncaa level competition so all of a sudden i have no words six teams pop up there's our team and we I was like, hey, we need to raise money for the team. So I reached out to a junior hockey club and said, hey, do you want to have a friendly scrimmage? And we'll get the media involved. We'll sell tickets. We'll give to your charity. So it ended up being a huge success. We ended up playing our home games in this arena that was far out of the community, but it's the only space we could find ice. And we play our games. That was like a whole Disney movie. (laughs) Ego. Ego is huge in this, right? Like, I am doing this. I lost friends over this because they were like, are you doing this? And I'm like, no. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, yes, I'm doing this. And we played the games. We made the newspapers. We made the national press. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And this community organization starts getting calls going, hey, when's your hockey team playing next? And the publicist is like, what hockey team? We don't have a hockey team. (laughs) So they were brought to you know, the attention of what we were doing. I was called into uh, meetings with higher ups and- About to get sued? uh, Well, they were like, well, we can't backtrack now. 
So because so it, they just gave in. Well, they they were forced to because there was so much a good publicity uh, for this organization. Yeah. Uh, they were like, well, we can't uh, back out now. Uh, show us proof that you have insurance. Like I had done, I had done everything properly. So I, I, I ensured that there was, you know, uh, insurance on the, on the team, the players, uh, the organization was insured. Uh, the games were insured. The venue had insurance. Like I checked, I, I checked all the boxes before, you know, we even stepped foot on the ice, but the problem still existed that we were using someone's brand name without approval. Yeah. So uh, we were given some conditions on how to uh, basically formalize our uh, relationship with this organization, with this community organization. And uh, lo and behold, they had a hockey team Uh, to this team. uh, The team still does play. Shut up. There is a league that was formed out of this during the six seven months maybe that it got really serious that league still exists it has six teams in it it plays close to collegiate level so wow. um it would basically be in, in comparison to like roughly like a ncaa like div three team yeah um so a lot of things happen and that was my kind of greater full full moment of just like going where few have tried and many have failed and my ego kicking in saying i can do this and that's where i get that can do attitude like i can do this what what mountains do i have to move to make this work no okay for our viewers i don't care (laughs) i don't care your guys' stance on astrology and i don't care your guys' stance on enneagrams but can i just say that parney is the most virgo man i've ever met and he is the most Enneagram 3 W2 man that I've ever met. That's insane. Like, you're not a real person. <laughs> you're a Disney character. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm not kidding. I'm literally convinced you're not a real person. <laughs> I was just talking to Parneet, like, off the podcast before we started filming about how, like, every time I hang out with Parneet, we've been friends now for, like, almost two years. Yeah. And every time I hang out with him, I learn, like something so new about him. Like you were just the most complex person I know, but not in like a negative way. Cause I feel like that word could be like used negatively, mm-hmm. but you were just so complex and Thank I you. love it. And you've lived so many lives. You're just <laughs> not real. We talk about hockey all the time. Like that is where our friendship started was like us bonding over hockey with our friend, Jordan. That story's never been brought up. I just learned that for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my brain is like exploding right now. We'll have to get Jordan on the podcast to talk about hockey. Hockey podcast. podcast. Yes. And I want to talk about sports culture one day. Totally. Totally. Which we have planned. But dude, that's crazy. Yeah, it was it was an out of this world experience because I got to meet people that I was just like, whoa. Um I got so one of the coolest opportunities that I got out of this whole thing was not only was I in the offices for uh, BC Amateur Hockey, which is British Columbia Amateur Hockey's uh, offices. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the exact name is, but it's the organization that oversees amateur hockey in BC. Uh, we had meetings with them. I w- got to go to a coaching seminar that was led by the Vancouver Canucks. Bro. And it was awesome just being taught by like Canucks coaches on yeah. how to coach. I'm not a coach by any means, but uh, I got to do that, and it was it was really cool. There was there was fun experiences. I was on behind the bench for a couple of games. We at some point at one point um, had our coach also play the game at the same time, so, so they needed someone on the bench, and I was, you know, 
up there. Uh, now the, the organization is much more uh, professional. They've got... Well, of know, course. It's just been several years since then, you know, it, it started. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, definitely an experience. Dude, you are the greater fool. <laughs> that is crazy. Thank you, thank you. I'm obsessed. I'm, I literally am speechless right now because I'm like, wow, you are just the coolest person. Thank you, thank no you. No words. Thank you. Wow. But um, if I could make a change in this world yeah. uh, that affected a lot more uh, people, I'm a huge uh, believer or a supporter of ending hunger and ending uh the lack of water uh, around the planet. Um, some of the charities, like uh, Charity Water, I think are amazing for putting wells where uh, there is no water. So if I could help make a difference in ending hunger and, and ending uh, the lack of water, that would be, you know, something that I want to work towards at one point. Yeah. Um, along with that, I love animals. So I, I'm a huge... Uh, supporter of no-kill shelters mm-hmm. um i love giving to local no-kill sh- shelters i volunteered in grass valley for a little bit uh not volunteered well helped out i guess uh at a, a no-kill shelter up there sammy's friends um so it's yeah i i think it's animal uh advocacy is another area that i would see myself being a greater fool in because i don't believe that we should have uh kill shelters at all yeah so those are my causes that i want to basically advocate for to make a better planet wow what about you well my greater fool story is not as intriguing but like i'm a more boring person you're not boring i've lived less lives than parney (laughs) i've Um, had multiple careers (laughs) Yeah, you're not a real person. I'm still on the first job I ever got. <laughs> Think about it that way. I'm a baby. <laughs> Remember how Parney didn't know the word simp? Yeah, guys, I'm a baby. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but for me, my... I guess greater full experience, because I don't think that I'm someone who's extremely... traditionally ambitious, because I lack a lot of self-confidence... But I am someone who sees the good in everyone, like slight flex. But I think that my optimism is a superpower. And I do think that it makes me a greater fool for the way that I view others. I don't have to like everyone. I'm obviously, I'm a grown up. I know that like not everyone is for me. I'm not for everyone. Like that is just how life works. But I do think that for me personally, every person that you might not love there's something in them that you can love and that you can admire about them. And if you focus on all the goods in a person, even if it's like the worst person on earth, like that optimism and that positivity that you can find in other people can really change your life and really inspire you to be a better person and to be a kinder person. And I think that it helps bring a lot of mediator energy into the world because like we were talking about earlier about like the world being divided when you go into a situation with a more positive outlook when you're like okay like honestly i don't like let's say i was with someone who's like the exact opposite of me it's like okay i don't believe in anything they believe in what can i find that makes them a good person that in my personal stance because right because like my morals and ethics are not the same as someone else's and 
judging others for living their life differently because they've had a different upbringing is so unfair. And I think that breaking that barrier down is a greater full energy because it's so positive and so out of pocket. I think that at least from my viewpoint, a lot of people, it's like really cool to be like negative. It's like extremely trendy to complain about life, to gossip, to, and gossiping is human. I want to make sure that's clear, but like, because it's certainly become popular to be negative right now. Yeah, it really is. And I think that you could look at me and be like, oh, she's a naive child. Like, shut up. You know, nothing about the world. But I truly think like the older I get, the more I see I understand people better. And Mm -hmm. I think that I understand where people are coming from and why they act the way they do and what I can find in them that I can like. And I think that's greater full mentality. Definitely is. And, you know, I commend you for being that way. It it takes a certain type of person to be able to, you know, go out there and see that, that, you know, we can be better Mm -hmm. and we can make changes that really affect Uh, the lives of everyone around us. Yeah, it's definitely a choice. Like you have to be actively choosing to do that. It's not like a natural thing because like humans aren't naturally obsessed with one another in a positive way. Oh, totally. I I completely agree. And when we're thinking about greater fools, the biggest question is why you should be a greater fool. Really, when when I think about it, you can make this place this planet or our shared neighborhood what a much better place to live in you can make a positive difference to the environment like uh, Greta Thunberg is doing with her mm-hmm. uh, with championing uh, environmental causes or um, Barack Obama did with uh, breaking barriers to the entry of politics or AOC is doing with uh, becoming a young person in politics or uh, the technologists are doing with inventing stuff like Facebook, uh, Snapchat or internet that gets beamed from space. I think there's many ways you can be a greater fool, but I, what, what I, the one piece of advice that I would give to it is always be a greater fool. Push yourself to do something that other people think you're crazy for doing. And also, if you're ever thinking about something that you want to do and you're like, oh, this is so out of pocket. This is so out of my limit. People are going to think about me and think negatively of like my choices. First of all, no one is obsessed with you in the way that you are obsessed with you. Everyone has the same mindset of like, oh my God, what is everyone thinking about me? So therefore no one's thinking about you because they're so focused on themselves. And also when you do do your greater fool mentality, first of all, you're going to attract the right people that are going to support you in your life just from being genuinely yourself. And I think that when you lose that energy of living for other people, you become so free and so many doors open up for you and it shows that the greater full mentality works big time and we leave you we leave you with one question what change would you want to make in the world and how would you be a greater fool hit us up on social media at the ces podcast and let us know and that's this episode bye bye This podcast has been a production of the Collective Experiences Society. Find us online at thecespodcast.com and on all your social media platforms at the CES Podcast.